This is Reflections of the Lighthouse, a podcast sharing the hope of the gospel for those struggling with life-altering addictions. If you'd like more information about the Lighthouse and the services they provide, visit biblicallliferecoverycenter.com. And now, here are your hosts, Brandon Bauer and Dwayne Modlin. Welcome to Reflections of the Lighthouse. My name is Brandon, and I'm excited to talk today about expressing biblical love. I've got my friend Dwayne here with me, but before we chat, Dwayne, I wanted to read a quote by my friend Larry Crabb. Now, I want to preface this by saying Larry Crabb is a good guy and he loves the Lord, but he's not a biblical counselor. Yes. Okay. But here's what Larry Crabb said, which I think is fantastic. When we learn to accept people who disappoint us by no longer requiring them to satisfy us, then we're free to love them. Mm. I think that is so important. Yeah. When we're in a relationship for satisfaction, we, we call that codependency. Yes. But when we let that go, and, and my needs don't have to be met in this relationship, then we can love people. Yeah. That's so important. So we're talking about biblical love. First John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. What an amazing passage. It is. You know, the God of heaven loved me so much that he stepped out of heaven, created this cosmic plan to redeem my soul, yep. to, to set me apart, to, to, to satisfy God's wrath completely. That, that's love. Mm-hmm. And if I truly understand God's deep, deep love for me, how can I not love others? Yeah. Uh, um, relationship. It's a relationship word. Uh, love is. And we need to understand that relationships move everything in life. The whole Bible is a book about relationships. Uh, humanity's relationship with God and relationship with one another. And gives us principles to live by in our relationships with God and our relationships with one another. Uh, Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment in Matthew 22? Uh, They're trying to trip Jesus up, but Jesus says, what? To love the Lord your God is the first and greatest commandment, but the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, He says all the law and all the prophets, the whole Bible is summed up in these two commands. And really what Jesus was doing was summarizing the Ten Commandments. Uh, He was dealing with the first four, love God, and then the next six, love your neighbor. Uh, Summarizing, this, this is God's plan for humanity, is for humanity to love God and to love people. Man, our society is so messed up, dude. Yes. So so there's this thing now called self-love or self-esteem or, you know, you, you go to these seminars and they tell you how to 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 heal yourself. And, and, and yeah. we're not called to love ourselves. We inherently love ourselves. Yes. Our value only comes from our Savior. Yes. So so we could use the term self-worth. Yes. Because my self-worth is in 
my Savior who loves me, but not self-esteem or self-love. We're told in Scripture not to esteem ourselves. We're to esteem others. Yes. And um, Philippians 2, yeah, right? This is, this is the, these terminologies have made their way into the church, into Christian mm-hmm. thinking and writing, and, and it's wrong. It's not biblical love. That's selfish love. Yeah. I, I think Ken Sonday, who uh, wrote the book Peacemaker, I, I think he's got uh, a lot. He has a course on relationships. Uh, and one thing he does is he has a, a thing called SOG, which means self-aware, others-aware, and God-aware. Uh we don't need the self-esteem issue has been taken way out of balance, but we do need to be self-aware in our relationships. Uh, what's motivating me? What are the emotions in my life motivating me to do? We need to be self-aware, but we also need to be others aware that these people are struggling. They need love. They need grace. They're struggling with their emotions as well. But the key to all of it, is being God aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is this is summed up in what Jesus just says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. We do naturally love ourselves. It's not natural for us because of our sin nature to consider the interest of others and not just our own. Yeah, for sure. Well, if you look at even the, the most popular verse in all Scripture, right? John three sixteen. Yes. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That, that tells you how deep love is. Yeah. And if we're going to express biblical love, we need to treat others as he treated us. Yeah, it's self-sacrificing. The, uh, the scriptures, uh, Paul writes in Romans, that while we were yet sinners, when we were God's enemy, Christ died for us. It was a self-sacrificing love. And then you get into Philippians chapter 2, where it talks about the mind of Christ. And if you want to live out the mind of Christ, he tells us how to do that, to live humbly, become a servant of others, and not to look out for your interest only. Now, the text doesn't say we don't look out for our interest, but we don't only look out for our interest, right? We, we think about others around us. Uh, this is why uh, some people who say that uh, I can be a Christian and not go to church. Uh, well, yeah, but what type of Christian are you? What you end up doing is developing a narcissistic faith where Jesus is just all about you and not about other people. But when we live in community and we see others hurting and not just us, uh, we begin to develop compassion for other people. Yep. So Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of Jim Elliot, yes. um, went through extreme pain and, and, and suffering, and they gave a lot for, for others. Mm-hmm. And she said this, love is a high and holy summons to forget yourself. Amen. It, it, it was an awesome quote. One of the most amazing parts of my job here at the Lighthouse is to watch those that are working alongside me sacrifice for others. Yeah. You know, the 
being nonprofit, we can't pay fantastically well. I don't think we do bad, but I know that every one of my staff members could go elsewhere and make more money. Mm-hmm. I know that they could else go elsewhere and have a nine to five job that, that doesn't interfere with their life and their kids' school. And But that sacrifice for others is a huge part of their drive for why they do what they do. And I love showing up to work with people who love people. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's evident, you know, not to tell many stories on my wife, but the lighthouse wouldn't exist without my wife's sacrifice. Yeah. She, she early on, um, we realized that we couldn't afford to live where we were living. And she said, well, let's sell the house because this ministry is more important than this house. Mm. And we moved into a small apartment um, yeah. that was way, way too small for our family. And why did she do that? Because she loved people. Yeah. And she wanted this ministry to, to succeed. And she knew that there would be self-sacrifices that she could give up to reach people for the gospel. Then I, then I sit back and I wonder, how many people have met Jesus because of that one sacrifice? Yeah. It's it's mind blowing that that's true biblical love, and I don't mean to gush all over my wife, you know. In a, in a you podcast, should gush over your wife, but but it was a great example of of biblical love and how how it's starting to change lives because of a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and we see it every day with the staff around the lighthouse, guys stepping up and volunteering even when they're. Uh, shift is over if something needs to be taken care of, a guy needs help or anything like that. And it's beautiful to witness the gospel not only being preached, but being lived out. Lived out, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Matthew seven twelve says this, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Yeah, and again, what Jesus says in Later on in Matthew, in chapter 22, love your neighbor as yourself. So uh, expressing biblical love is really loving others just as just how we'd want to be loved. Yeah, in, in their brokenness, in their hurting, in their lostness, loving them right where they are. Now this is, key. Is, yeah, this is an attitude that we don't have naturally. No. But this is an attitude that can be learned yeah. and taught. And if this is something that you struggle with, I recommend you link yourself up with someone who loves well. Yes. Because being around people who love well will rub off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's exciting to see when that starts to happen. Well, even the scriptures say for the believer that the Holy Spirit sheds the love of God God abroad in our hearts. Our sinful nature doesn't want to love. It wants to be selfish. The Holy Spirit helps us grow in loving God and loving others. Uh, we call it sanctification. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, even at salvation, I, I don't just jump up and start loving people. <laughs> All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to work into my life and begin to shed some of those selfish things out of my life. It's a process. Yes. I I often explain it like this with the guys. Uh, Lazarus, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, what does Lazarus look like when he walks out of the tomb? Probably a hot mess. Looks like where he just came from. 
And often that's us when we first come to Jesus. There's still baggage there. There's still things there. And Christ tells the disciples to go unbind him, to, to release him from those grave clothes. And that's what discipleship does. That's what counseling does. That's what connecting with believers that are further along than we are does. They help us learn to love people and begin to shed some of that selfish that we have in our lives. You know, one of the one of the things that I really find intriguing about expressing biblical love is that some people think it's optional. This is not an optional thing. We no. are commanded to love. Yes. Th- this is this is a command of God. It's a requirement. So so then it makes me think who are we commanded to love? Well, we're commanded to love God. Yes. Right? Um, love God with all your heart, soul and mind. Yep. We're commanded to love our neighbors. Yes. Even the ones we don't like. Amen. Even the Karens, right? The hard ones to love. Sorry if your name is Karen. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a sh- social thing, not a slam. Um, we're called to love the broken and hurting in our mm-hmm. community. We're called to love other believers. And we're called to love our enemies. That text I just quoted from Romans, Christ died for us while we were sinners, while we were his enemy. Jesus lived out what he commanded us to live out. He tells us to love your enemies. Well, Jesus loved his enemies, even from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So I'm supposed to love those who hurt me. Mm -hmm. Wow. My natural instinct is to close myself off and then... Uh, build bitterness in my heart towards them in the situation. But Christ says I'm supposed to even love those who persecute me. I'm supposed to love those who spitefully use me. And that is not natural for us. It's a supernatural thing that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Absolutely. There is a tendency for some to go seek um, to be abused. Yes. You know, I'm going to go rub this in their face so that they hate me so that I can say that I suffered for Jesus. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about. Not at all. There's also a tendency for some to say, well, if I have to forgive, I've got to allow them back into my life. No, we can have boundaries. Yes. So loving doesn't mean accepting the bad behavior. Nope. Loving doesn't mean staying in abuse, staying in an abusive relationship. Nope. Um, loving means forgiving. forgiving and speaking truth Yes, and, and showing love, but that doesn't mean we have to put ourselves in dangerous situations for sure. Uh, absolutely not. I, I think um, there, there's boundaries with that. If that person truly repents of the behavior that hurt us, I think then we begin a process of reconciliation we with them. We begin a process. A process of reconciliation with them. But if they do not repent, you clean your side of the street. Okay? Yep. Uh, and, and let the Holy Spirit work in their life to clean their side of the street. But you can set boundaries there. Um, because if you don't, what you do is enable their bad behavior, not only with you, but you're saying it's okay, and they will treat others in the same manner. Right. So I, I think the greatest passage in all of Scripture on love comes from 1 Corinthians 13. 
Oh, we love to use it in weddings. We do, don't we? But there's a list in, in, mm-hmm. in there of, of how we're to love. Yes. Um, starts with love is patient. Mm. That's a hard one sometimes. Oh, man. Especially when we want better for our friends and family. Yes. And they don't see it yet. Yep. How do we love with patience? It goes on to say love is kind. It's a considerate, warm response. Yes. Love is not jealous. It does not envy. It does not brag. It's not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It's not controlling. It's not manipulating. It's not demanding. It's actually... your motivation, even with the boundaries and all of those things, is for their good. Yeah. Your heart is for redemption in their lives, for the Spirit of God to work in those situations. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul's dealing with a young man who's sleeping with his stepmother in the church. And Paul says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. What's Paul saying? If I don't deal with this, if we don't set boundaries here, we're not really loving him and we're not loving the church because now other people think that they can live in the same behavior because we haven't dealt with it. And then he, it sounds harsh, but he says, remove the young man from your fellowship and turn him over to Satan. Wow, that's some rough language right there. But the next part of the text tells us Paul's heart behind it. So that on the day of the Lord, he may be saved. Paul's heart was redemptive here. Paul set boundaries, right? But the boundaries even were redemptive. And we know most likely reading 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about the church not letting someone back in fellowship. Most likely this is that young man. He's repented. Now Paul says, welcome him back. For sure. Back to 1 Corinthians 13. We also say that love does not seek its own. Yes. It's not codependent. Yep. Um, That love is not provoked. Um, It doesn't incite anger and sin in others. Um, it does not take account of wrongs suffered. Yes. Uh, h- how often do people who say they love still keep that tally yep. of, of what other people did against me? Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. We can we can speak truth and be loving. Gr- grace and truth. The world doesn't get this. The world says, if you don't believe like me, you're hateful. Yes. We can speak truth and be loving. Yes. But I'm not going to rejoice in someone else's unrighteousness. No. I'm not going to say, okay, you believe that? I'll celebrate you. No. No, uh, we have to call sin sin yes. while we're loving. Yes. Absolutely. And, and that's not always easy because how we deal with identity sometimes is wrapped up in what people do and not who they are. Right. And and we have to disentangle what they do with who they are, that they're created in the image and the likeness of God, and thus they have dignity and value uh, as a human being, that they are more than the sum parts of what they do. Yes, for sure. So love also 
rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I, I think it would be amazing if God's children would love like that. Mm-hmm. We would change the world. Yeah, we would. Well, Jesus even says, uh, people will know you belong to me by your love for one another. Maybe people are questioning in the culture today, are questioning the gospel because we haven't loved well. Mm. <laughs> right? For sure. Um, why do we love well? Well, we love well because of God's unconditional love for us. Yes. And if we truly understand that, we want everyone else to experience that as well. Amen. I think many believers don't truly understand what it means that God redeemed their soul. And if we can, if we can understand where we were headed and what we deserved and what God saved us from, Mm-hmm. That's gonna that's gonna flow out of us in love. Yes, um, it's not the it's not gonna be the guy standing on the box on the street corner damning people to hell. Yes, it's gonna be people loving on the broken and hurting and saying yeah. there's a better way. Yeah, come follow me as I follow my Savior. And, and sharing that truth is your sin has destroyed, it's destroying your life, but Christ has made a way yep. for you. Um, it is so important having that grace and truth and wisdom. So speak the truth yep. in love with wisdom. I can speak the truth at the wrong time. Yes. And it causes harm. I have to know when to speak the truth. I have to build relationships sometimes yes. before I speak. Truth. Absolutely. And what well, you have to, sometimes we have to, whether people want to accept it or not, earn the right to speak into somebody's lives at times. And I don't do that by being forceful with them. No. No, you don't. Okay. Well, that wraps up this episode of Reflections of the Lighthouse, Expressing Biblical Love. I'm looking forward to the next episode where we're yep. going to review the Matthew 25 mission that the Lighthouse is leaving out. Amen. Living out. Yep. I'm excited about that. Thank you for joining me, Dwayne. Thank you for everyone who's listening to our podcast. Please share this on your social media. It would be a great help to boost um, boost our, our, our message to the world yes. of, of love and hope and healing in Jesus Christ. Have a great day.